That cold case you're listening to? Nasty stuff. But you know what else is a crime? Missing even a moment of whatever you're doing to go on a drink run. Luckily, there's Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered in under 60 minutes. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Dad bod rap pod another Tuesday in the apocalypse. It is your three faithful bros here with you. Uh, my name is Damone Carter, AKA Dim one struggle rap Artur. Um, my rap career was unpopular, not underground. It was underground <laughs> and unpopular. It continues to be cheers. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Out here, Out here doing it. I am joined by uh, record store curmudgeon, Nate J. LeBlanc. Don't, don't grip the records by the fucking grooves. <laughs> <laughs> you wanker. <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, and then we have, uh, you know, full-time writer, part-time Norte, um, <laughs> Mr. David Ma. <laughs> How's it going? He has on a red hat. I... I <laughs> The visual Let joke in an audio I know. video. I know. Um, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Like you, Damone, I'm also just unpopular. So <laughs> we, we get along. You know. That's what podcasting um, is about. Unpopular people talking about popular people. That's funny. Um, uh, I had showed Lucia last night the pop-locking, like, Norteño preacher guy thing. She had Jesus. Seen last oh, night. To, yeah. to, to understand Mero's parody of him. Exactly. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it was so funny. I hadn't watched it since it first came out, and I don't think I ever watched it on the big TV, like with the full sound. It was Jesus. so great. I was uh, like, that, that's amazing. like 30 people I went to middle middle school with could have ended up as that guy. Totally. Like, totally. Maybe yep. some of them did. I don't right. know. Oh, that's hilarious. Shout out to uh, Victory Outreach and the uh, the Duke of Earl <laughs> play. There used to be, uh, there used to be, well, I think it still exists. It's kind of like a Cholos for Jesus group that would come around and put on plays and stuff, uh, supposedly to turn people from the street life to whatever. So when I was living in North San Jose, right off of downtown, they would go door to door promoting their Duke of Earl play. And wow. I just remember wow. that dude, whoever that guy is, some version of that dude came to my door with like face tats and the whole bit and was like- He was like, dude, Dude, watch my play. Dude, dude, watch my play. Dude, dude, watch my play. Glad I set that up. That wasn't planned, y'all. That's quite the alley oop, guys. Oh man, that was full court alley oop right there. Glad I could. Glad I could for it. So we're we're back another week. We're here in the Zoom room, the Temple of Zoom. We've got 
an amazing interview lined up, which we'll talk about in just a minute. Um, but uh, in the cycle of things, shit, this might seem old by the time you guys hear it, but uh, late last week, or I don't know if it was on the weekend, uh, Dave Chappelle released uh, a new kind of mini stand-up special called uh, 846. Right. Um, and um, like everything Chappelle, he drops it and it's, it's an instant firestorm of kind of uh, conversation and debate and such. And um, I know we've all had a, a chance to watch it at this point. Um, yeah, I just want to get you guys as impressions, man. Uh, it's 27 minutes, not super long, um, kind of hit us out of nowhere. Uh, yeah, I just want to kind of see how, how uh, folks are taking it. Thought it was great. Um, Friday night, I was just on Twitter, just laying on, on my couch and was like, people are like, the new Chappelle. I'm like, what are we, what is everybody talking about? And then I found it and I watched it. And obviously, you know, it starts off sort of solemn and it ends solemn, you know, and I was like waiting for the jokes. And, um, you know, after about 30 seconds, quickly, you realize that there's nothing funny about what's going to be said. And that's pretty much the whole point of it. Um, I got to, I have to commend Chappelle for always, um, just uh, greeting everything head on, like the, the, the hardest issues of the day head on. And, um, you know, without saying too much, but I, I do feel like he's gonna go down as one of the greatest. I mean, uh, people can have issues with sort of what he says, but like to think that, you, that your ethics need to be in lockstep with every comedic joke for them to be a viable, smart, you know, impactful artist, I, I don't really buy that. So it was just another example of him doing Chappelle. And I, I think he's really great for, for society. I I'm out, like guys. <laughs> Dave, Dave just dropped the mic and left the farm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I have a, a comedic take on it and a serious take on it, and I'll lead with the first one. Where, like, if I mean, I know that there's nothing to do right now, but if you dragged me out to a fucking estate in the middle of Ohio and then only didn't tell jokes but did like a serious lecture for 27 minutes, I would be so pissed. <laughs> It's like, it, was there a warm-up act? Like, I understand I Michelle, was Michelle the Wolf was, like, uh, sheltering in place with Dave and his family because they were on tour. Like, she was staying with him on tour when it happened. Did she do a set, like, before? Right, like, right. 27 minutes is just not a lot to leave your house during a pandemic, <laughs> even if you do get a branded uh, Chappelle mask. But my serious take is that <laughs> while dave's recent comedy has its issues particularly around transphobia and like right. a kind of inability to reckon with like the place of women in society in a way that like kind of treats them equally which is a pretty big glaring blind spot and was very present here like he was savage on candace owens and laura ingram who don't like i don't think deserve <laughs> a lot of respect but like it's just the he, he like saves his harshest critiques for for women and then his weird like confusion i'm doing air quotes around trans people from the previous specials puts him in a in a weird position but i did find this special to be incredibly gripping um mm -hmm. when he his his I'll, I'll you know again this is kind of a joke kind of not he had great vengeance and furious anger yeah, you know yeah, what i mean right, like right, it was right. like he, right. he he appropriately expressed how pissed off everyone is now and we needed that like we needed mm -hmm. an emblem for that and um 
it's it's an absurd amount of time to lean on someone's neck, which is kind of the point of the title of the special. And like, it's, right. it's very it's very dark in that way because these are dark times. But I liked a lot of what he had to say about how the youth are clearly driving the modern protest mm-hmm. movement, and he was content to sit in the back seat. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I thought that it was well done for what it was. It's not funny, but that's the point, you know. It's, right, um, right. It's a social commentary, and a, a social commentary I think we all needed to hear. And like, I, I will probably watch it again, which I, I, you, I almost never do that for a stand-up special, totally um, of any kind. So, yeah, what did you think, Timo? Um, I, I'm a fan, right, of Dave Chappelle. I probably told this story a couple times on the pod. Whenever we're unpacking Chappelle's latest, uh, latest bomb, uh. I'm a fan. I've, I saw him live the last time I saw him live, maybe four or five years ago at Yoshi's Oakland. Um, super late show. It started at like 11 and went till probably 2.33. Like I left at about two. Um, and he, in that, in that space, he has these lulls where he's not telling a joke. Mm-hmm. And um, somebody in the crowd was like, said something to the effect like tell a joke or something like trying to prod him and he he was really he was really cool about it. he's like look somebody taught me a long time ago um being on stage and doing stand-up isn't about getting a laugh every second it's about just always be interesting like like whatever whatever you're saying whatever you're doing just be interesting and engaging on stage And that's a great kind of synopsis for if you go to see him live and he does his whole, like, I'm just going to talk shit for three and a half hours. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not all funny. So Mm -hmm. when I came into the special, I've never seen him obviously this angry, but this kind of format of like, I'm just talking, I'm giving you social commentary, almost like a a live form essay or something like that. Um, Obviously brilliant guy. He captures the, the anger um, perfectly in a way that probably no one else could. He mentions in the special, um, you trust me because he doesn't have an agenda. And you really get that sense that this is just him raw, unfiltered, how he feels about it. The other reason you have to trust him is just because he's still wildly misogynistic um, for no good reason at this point. He's, he's, pointing, he's pointing to a youth movement that is out in the streets and any of those kids would stop and tell him, that you want to shit on Candace Owens, you want to shit on Laura Ingram, don't make it about them being the C word. Don't, don't make it about their womanness being the reason that you put them down. That shit was like mad cringy to me. I was kind of waiting to see where he was going with it because you could tell he was winding up. And I'm just like, oh man, you just- Nowhere, yeah. Yeah, I'm just like, oh, <laughs> that, that was the end. That was it? Like you didn't have, to compare and contrast, Jesus and Meryl have pitch perfect takes on out-of-pocket white people. They, it's always a big part of their brand. They lean into it. They never use someone's gender as the butt of the joke. Um, so I can hold both of those things. It doesn't mean he's not a genius. It means that he has a real blind spot and he's being really stubborn about it. To me, he, to me, um, it's, it's deliberate. You he know what also I mean? called out Don Lemon though. So it, it wasn't a full, full on women only attack mode though. But it was all bitches? Sorry. Oh. <laughs> um. <laughs> That, that he, part he was really interesting. He didn't call out Don Lemon. He called out the fact that he should not have anything to say. Like, don't ask me. It wasn't, he didn't say Don Lemon. 
here's your gender, you're a buster. You know what I mean? He didn't, it's not the same. Like, <clears> it's, <throat> it just isn't. His strongest critiques in that whole bit, even the officer who stood on dude's neck didn't get disparaged the way women did. And I understand it because I'm Dave's age. I grew up around, uh, you know, a black males who have a very black male centric view of the struggle for liberation. It's, it's through the eyes and feelings of black men. Uh, uh, David Dennis, who's uh, a writer, kind of Twitter personality, broke down how Dave went on for 27 minutes and didn't even mention a female victim of police brutality. So told several stories. And again, doesn't mean he's not a genius. He's a complicated genius. And I think- It was a 25 minute special. I mean, I don't know how fully encompassing. It needs to be to, to fully have impact on the moment. And I, I don't know if it's necessarily invalidated because he called Candace Owen a cunt. I don't, it's definitely it's, not invalidated. It's, it's, not, in, it's not invalidated. It's, yeah. it's something that we have to hold up if we're going to talk about it. You know what I mean? I, I know, I, I know. I, I, go, I go with this with anyone. Like, I listen to a Jay-Z record and I go, yes, I enjoyed your record with Jay Electronica. Also, your politics are shit. And you sold Cap down the river. For sure, for sure. I, I got to hold both things. I can't not. Um, and also, I'm going to go an extra mile because Dave is being stubborn about this. He's just, he's really... Um, you know, people like Dream Hampton, who's a, post a friend of his, has tried to kind of pull him to, and he's just clinging to, if I want to make a cunt joke, I make a cunt joke, which is fine. Do that. If you're Bill Burr, I don't give a fuck. Um, when you're Dave Chappelle and your brand is so aligned with um, issues of Black liberation and your, your comedy has been looked at as a liberatory practice, it's a little retrograde. Let's see what happens. I'll still check for him the next time he comes around. But um, I do think the critiques, I've heard a lot of kind of angst online about, oh, man, well, why are we even talking about this? We can't just enjoy, you know, Dave's special. And I'm just like, you can do both. You, and, and, you, and I think the moment requires that of us if we're going to be serious about um, it's everybody's liberation or nobody's. Like, I, I, I don't want to be like, yeah, you know, even though he's talking about essentially me, you know, my humanity, um, it's just too many, too much of it is at the expense of other folks. And I, I, uh, I like the conversation around that, though. I feel like there was a time when this wouldn't happen. Uh, I think he pretty clearly saw himself in George Floyd and that that's, that's the point of this special. Totally. And George totally. Floyd has been the emblematic person that has been that his his filmed atrocious terrible tragic death kicked off this worldwide protest movement not brianna taylor just to use as an example of someone who also died in a police shooting terribly uh mm -hmm. I, I believe leaping yeah. yeah a couple um, a, a couple weeks before but it goes back to that same point because this is a trans person whose life was taken it doesn't resonate in the same way. And that's not Dave's job to hold. Like that's the reason that story didn't catch on is because it doesn't fit into that narrative of um, black man killed by police, black man who we feel is a scary thing killed by people who are supposed to be really good. Right. When a trans person comes or even a black woman, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't carry the same way because of misogyny and all kinds of other ideas, which are not all Dave's to hold. Um, but it's just this moment, I think the activist and protest movement 
at this moment, what I'm really proud of is they are holding that. We know Breonna Taylor's name because of the same type of people who were in the streets for George Floyd. They made it known. It wasn't CNN didn't bring that to us. It wasn't celebrities. Um, so, you know, I, I think everybody should see it. I've recommended that uh, folks in, in my life who have reached out wanting to understand or whatever should definitely check it out. But like anything with the, dis with the disclaimer of just knowing that, um, you know, it's, it's, David does not come to us as an angel of, uh, of, of perfect politics. And, right. And he's like the last person in the world who smokes. No offense, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird to see him on stage. And he's like, the, 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 his last cigarette in the special is a big climactic moment. You're kind of like, is he going to get there? Like, is he mm -hmm. going to be able to light that thing? Like, I was nervous. Like, mm -hmm. like dude, like, you're, it's windy. You're in weird Ohio summer weather. Like, is mm -hmm. this going to happen? Well, so, after a while, I was feeling like it might have been like a device. Right. You know? like, but so it was like I, I'm totally on. with you there. Yeah, but, like, but it, it was he, part of it. He did that in his show in Oakland when he wasn't supposed to smoke indoors. So he would just ever so often, I think it's a device he does on stage just to kind of, again, stay interesting. He would try to light it and you're like, is he going to light up in here? Right. But he never quite did, but he mm. kept trying to do it. He needs yeah. the, the release of the ritual, which is such a big part of smoking. Absolutely. To just get through the set, right? So he, pre he pretended to smoke, uh, probably had a Nicorette patch on the back of his neck. But, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Dave Chappelle, 846, um, definitely check it out. And uh, it's not comedy. I, just, I, just, yeah. <laughs> I, think, right, I think that's right. the thing. It's just, it's not comedy. Well, like, after a while, after a while, I mean, stand-up comedy ends up just being the platform. Right. Here's right. the closest platform for you to get up and say these things. And, you know, a la Bill Hicks or something, you know, and only if only a few can do it. Thank you for bringing up Bill Hicks or like a, a, a Lenny George, Bruce. A Lenny Bruce, George Carlin. There's right. there's only a select few that can do it. Uh, Ileana Glazer of Broad City. Fame. Alana Glazer. Alana Glazer. Um, oh, well. she, she did. She tried <laughs> to do she tried to do a special that centered on politics and it was horrible. It yeah. was horrible. Now, I'm a big fan. I love me her. too. Me too. Yeah. And and her politics are on point. One hundred percent. Right. So it's yeah. that dichotomy of like right. I don't agree with all the day's politics, but his his comedic sensibilities and ability to present um, are genius level. Whereas you know, you know, not everybody can do that. It's not not everybody can be Chuck D. Not everybody can can do that type of um, that type of art. So. It makes me respect Dave because I know how fucking hard that is to get up and make a point, yeah. move people's minds and somehow still be entertaining. Now, to your point, Nate, I think these are just Dave's neighbors. Right. I think these right. are his Ohio yeah. neighbors. I don't think people came from <laughs> 600 miles to see. Yeah, I don't think it's 600 miles. It's like, even if, even if my neighbor, one of my neighbors invited me over for a show and then did it for 27 minutes, I'd be like, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> But if your neighbor's Dave Chappelle, it's a little different. Than a little different. In my house. Yeah, not not everything can have the roots and Jill Scott and Erica Badu and last like five hours. So I, I never got the full story. Speaking of neighbors, your neighbor that drinks wine right there, like homie that just has a glass of wine out. So if he did something for twenty seven minutes, you wouldn't pull up. You wouldn't just be like he he does that uh, drinking wine, smoking, and raking the like two leaves that fell routine for like sixteen hours a day. And, <laughs> no, I don't watch. 
Um, yeah. That's my future right there. Th this is going to be really boring for the people who don't live where I live <laughs> and like don't care about my neighbors. But uh, she kicked him out, dude. Oh. He's out of the picture and has been wow. for most of the quarantine. And one night he like rolled by and like cussed at the, cussed at the car door. He would like come around the block and scream what? and i'm not gonna do like the vietnamese obscenities <laughs> when he was screaming wow after. and uh yeah and like but wow. it is the vietnamese obscenity that we all learned in elementary school oh man yeah um, wow. yeah wow. so he's, he's out of the picture and it seems like the son and the mom are just like eating takeout and waiting out the quarantine together wow. and it's like the quietest it's ever been over there so yeah holy wow. shit okay so yeah. uh, and i don't know what I, I, my, my joke has been the whole time did he go live with his other family oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, like on someone else's fence oh my god <laughs> three dollar brandy from like the bottom of the liquor store <laughs> shelf and the cigarette oh. and like all like waving all right crazy now. when I get home. I'm carrying like six bags of groceries. He's like, "Hey, what's up, man?" I'm like, "Yeah, I know you need attention, but like, these shits are heavy." That's wow. hilarious. Yeah. So uh, on next week's edition of Deadbeat Dad Bod Rap Pod, um, <laughs> we'll dig into <laughs> we'll dig into what happened to uh, Nate's neighbor, uh, whether he's paying child support. Yes. Um, which honestly, that would be a lit ass question if we could ask rappers. Oh my god! Can you imagine how fast shows would end? I can uh, think of one in particular where that became an issue. <laughs> one that, in particular. <laughs> if you get that joke, you Above are actually some of the other guests, but below some of the others. Oh man. Oh <laughs> uh, man. All right, enough of this binary talk. Oh. <laughs> wow, we we have we have veered off quite a bit, but yeah. Um, Thinking we, about Nate's neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know now. Now I need the other part of that story. I know. Um, I, I know. He's the only one I talk to over there. I talk to the son very occasionally, but like, right. yeah. Okay. I just don't want to get involved in anyone's life. Like my my. I think I might have mentioned this on <laughs> some of the other Even pods, my, but like my <laughs> street, my street has this whole community vibe. Like, there's a lot of families with kids, and like they come out, they play together. The like the adults will stand off to the side and drink wine. This dude's watering his lawn, and they all have this like ecosystem. And I'm just like walking nah. past them six feet away, screaming into my phone constantly. Like I never say hi. I never engage. Like it's my act, my feelings that we need to like you know think global act local like don't actually start with like me engaging with any of my neighbors except for the people who live in my complex while you, wave in the driveway you know what <laughs> nate i appreciate you for breaking the white people are great neighbor stereotype um, <laughs> i am often unnerved if i go somewhere and and the white neighbors are like super friendly I know. Um, my, my dad my, is the mayor of Edenwood. Like, my dad knows everyone on the block. He knows their business. They know him. Like, if they need something, yeah. cup of sugar. Yeah. Like, I was raised with that kind of vibe. But, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. My, uh, my desire to be left alone and not have to, like, waste any energy talking to people outstrips my upbringing. All day. All day. <laughs> that's, that's why we, we get along so well. Uh, <laughs> speaking of uh, agoraphobic, uh, non-neighborly hip-hop, we have uh, <laughs> we have an amazing interview lined up for y'all uh, on this week's program. If you listen to our program at all, and you should weekly, um, you know that we are super huge fans of Arm and Hammer, um, both Woods and Elucid uh, individually, but 
definitely their link up as Arm and Hammer is always in an event in our little part of the world. And uh, as many of you already know, they released a new record called Shrines, um, which is a which is a great record, which we'll probably talk about in our next segment. But um, yeah, they were cool enough to come on together. We've had each one individually before, but um, having both Woods and Elucid on um, and Woods eating a pork chop during. <laughs> two out of three, man. He's two yeah. out of three. It was, uh, it was, it was good times. It's, it's, a, it's a cool interview. It's a little oddly paced. It's tough with the Zoom and the right. latency and stuff. So I don't think I'm going to have edited much by the time you guys hear this. It's just going to be kind of what happened. And there's a little bit of talk over and there's a little bit of odd pauses. But I have to say, um, I literally think both of these guys are geniuses. And like right. the, I, the ability to be able to talk to them and like tell some jokes, but right. like ask some serious questions and to right. like bounce some things off of them. Like I'm going to take that opportunity anytime I can get it. And uh, I think the I think the record's truly excellent like it's it's the top level like it doesn't get better than this um in terms of our little world of art rap or whatever you want to call it underground whatever um so um it's it's kind of a momentous occasion for us and it's just cool to like hear what they think and like how different they are but yet they have like this weird intertwined right energy you know Mm -hmm. and like to, to hear their rapport and like you could just tell especially like woods is such an elusive fan right sure it's so cool Yeah, it was cool to hear them talk about other artists they work with to get insight of, you know, these incredible artists that they are already. And they're talking about, you know, all Quelle Chris and, you know, all the others that they've worked with. And it's it was really incredible to have their time, especially at this moment right now. Totally. And, you know, um, they're they're doing a good job getting out there it's a little different than some of the other times we talked to them where they didn't have a new thing to promote. So this is, this is like a Shrines interview. Um, So if you guys are digging the record and I hope you're digging the record, because if not, that's kind of on you, not them. Uh, (laughs) um, You'll learn a lot about its making here. And um, we do get into a couple other little things, but um, it's a Shrines based interview. And I think um, this is a serious, serious contender. And I was, I was, DMing the guys earlier, I went back and listened to some of their other records. I'm like, they're they're at the top of whatever this new their thing game. is. Yeah, their the game. Vanguard or the like yeah. underground hip hop or art rap or whatever. Like they're on a four album run that doesn't include their solo projects that mm-hmm. have all come out in the, the mm-hmm. last seven to eight years that are excellent. Like everything's yeah. excellent that they've yeah. done. It's mm-hmm. really hard to say that about people. Um, but I think the, the proof is in the recordings. Like these are excellent recordings and they're really unique. So it's, it's exciting to me. Yeah. It's, it's, a it's a great time to catch them because I think, um, and I think we talked about this a little bit in the interview is shrines is a little bit of a departure, um, from the kind of sound that maybe a lot of folks are used to with that. It was interesting to hear them kind of speak on that, Mm -hmm. um, and how the whole, process comes together so uh we won't uh delay any longer check out our extensive expansive interview with armin hammer dab our rap pod
Dad Bod Rap Pod, we're back. We have another dope interview lined up for y'all. This week, we have a group on the line that is uh, cast a really big shadow in the in the hip-hop worlds that we move in. It's a group that we've talked about quite a bit on the show, both their individual projects and together. And I am speaking of Armin Hammer on the line with us to talk about their new record, Shrines. Uh, appreciate you guys coming on the program. I want to kick it off by asking the question, uh, when was this material recorded? Because I, I listened to the album and there, if, if, depending on how you want to view it, it could seem like it's talking about things that are happening right now, but that's probably not possible. So I'm, I'm interested to know, like, when did this particular batch of songs get recorded and kind of what was going on at that time? Yeah, definitely uh, pre-quarantine. Mm. Um, and I think my earliest recollection is uh, September 2019. We were on tour. Um, and maybe like the, f I think Woods, am I correct? There was like a couple of songs that maybe have existed. I'd have to go look up. You probably know better than me. I'd have to go look up when we were there. But yeah, the the first song that we actually wrote and recorded was Bitter Cassava. We were on tour and we dropped a demo for it. Um, we were with Kenny and, and we recorded a demo for it in, uh, in our Airbnb in Edinburgh. Yeah. Um, and then we, I mean, it, was, it came out dope and we liked it. And then we came back and uh, and went to Willie Green's studio. But by the time we went in for that first recording session with him, we had maybe three joints, of which maybe only one is on the album. I'm not exactly yeah. sure. I'm not exactly sure. I feel like the, there, was a, there were a couple other joints. And we had also... Um, the 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 water the 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 path forward wasn't quite as clear because we had been working on another project and then we started doing this and we didn't really know how it was going to fit together so it really crystallizes its own project at some point after we came back and started locking in with Green and recording them but um yeah I'd say the first one recorded on that tour you're talking about and then probably got in the studio and like. November maybe? Yep, definitely in the fall, coming into winter. Yep. Yeah, or October? Yep. yep. Maybe it was October. Yeah, because we were finished in like December, November, December. Okay. Yeah, it, it was. It, it wasn't. It was about a few months of of, of pretty intense rec of recording in batches, you know. Okay, where? Hey, uh, fellas, um, you know, for this album, you know, a lot of people describe your music as sort of bleak and dark, but for the uninitiated, I felt like this album was, is, you know, in some ways, uh, your brightest album uh, with uh, some sunnier backdrops, um, tracks like Flavor Flav or War Stories in particular. Was that a particular, was that a purposeful decision to make this one a little bit brighter than the rest? Or, or just how did the production palette come about? Mm. <clears throat> I think it was just like current, current like musical sensibilities and like working with what we had and what we were like around and what we were receiving from people. Um, yeah, the production always kind of dictates, I think, with like how people receive that. Um, I kind of hated that 
that that that classification mm-hmm. as you know what we do as being totally bleak and right. dystopian. I mean, there's not even talking about my stuff with Woods. Like, there's a lot of like funny lines. There's always like really humorous lines to me that like people don't really talk about or don't think that they're funny or right. yes, it's dark, but you know, mm-hmm. there it is. Um, but yeah, I think the production was just like what we had around, what we were like getting with and yeah yeah okay. it is definitely our brightest i think record. that um yeah i, I would agree with that and i would say that there was a certain point at which you're working and you start to see what you have and where you're going something um you know and i definitely remember there was a there was a point where um when we had started working and i mean elucid made it clear you know had some ideas about direction and production that we could go that were different and I'm always I'm always looking to sort of do something different because that keeps it interesting and um and so that that was out there but it was more just a sense of well we're going to as we started working seeing where you're going and what sorts of things are happening but I definitely feel like relatively early on Lucid did talk about um about wanting a different sort of less claustrophobic soundscape and i think the the the, you know i think part of it also is sometimes how albums are sequenced leave people with very particular impressions right um and this album comes in one way and goes out another way although you know who knows because you just said war stories is a sunny backdrop which i that song makes me think of like a <laughs> T-55 tank going uphill. I can't even, <laughs> I, I didn't think of it that way. But um, but yeah, you know, I, I think that pretty early on we had some different production and we're looking at, naturally, that's like he said, that's going to dictate, you know, different sorts of things. Right on. I feel like, uh... like on Paraffin, Elusa did half the beats and, or a bunch of others in collaboration with Messiah Music. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, yeah, this so one he didn't produce record, anything, so it's totally different. Yeah, so on this record, just like definitely like pulling back and not producing uh, per se, like hands on making things, but definitely mm-hmm. like having it in mind and like picking the direction. It was like, this needs to be here, this needs to be here, we need to have this collaborator here. And I was definitely kind of on my Quincy Jones shit in a way, so. you know? And some stuff doesn't, some stuff doesn't, uh, you didn't plan, like, you don't plan for anyone to send you the beat to Charms. Right. Uh, It It actually was sent to me because I worked with Child Actor before I'd been on tour with them one time with this cat, Chesky. Shout out to Chesky. Stand-up dude. I have a lot of respect for him. Um, Word. And um, I've been, we both were on tour but I stayed on the tour longer with Chesky and uh, half of Child Child Actor. It's a couple. Half of uh, the group was on tour with us. And at the end of the tour, he was like, yo, I want to send you beats. And so I ended up doing something with him on terror management. And then he sent me a whole folder of, uh, of beats. And then I just sent them to Elucid to, you know, pick something. Uh, and he heard something in Charms and was like, that's the one. And then once he sent it back to me, I was like, I probably wouldn't have picked this. But once you pointed it out to me, I could see it, you know, yeah. I could see it. As soon as I actually listened to it, I was like, wow, this is going to be amazing. And so things like that, obviously, 
you know, sometimes just happen the same way. Um, it's not in any way a sunny track, but like the fat Albert Einstein is like, a, that dude is a friend of Kenny Siegel's. And so he sent me a whole bunch of beats all like that. He played the, no samples, you know, um, he played all the instruments, put it all together and was talking about trying to do a whole project like that. And I was like, it's a really interesting sound. A lot of this stuff is really cool, but I kind of am wrapped up in what I'm doing. I don't like to work on too many things at one time. I mean, I'm not really capable of it, to be honest. Um, I get really focused in and obsessive over what, what I'm doing. Um, and so I just, you know, kind of, I was like, listen, man, like take one of these. Uh, well, I sent it to Lucid and he picked one, even though it wasn't really, didn't seem like it was the type of sound that we were exactly doing. He picked one and I was like, yo, that beat is fire. And um, I reached back out to the guy and was like, yo, can we just take this beat? Um, and, you know, <laughs> we're down to do something with you in the future. I definitely be down to think about doing a project in the future. And um, luckily for us, he was like, all right, you know what? Yeah, because I think he had really envisioned it as like, I want to do something with an artist who's going to do a whole, you know, whether it's an EP or an LP over these beats. And they were good. They're good. Um, well, like, I never had anything to do with that guy. Um, the things I got, you're not playing for, but the work, you hear it and then you're like, we got to do something. And then you see what happens with it. Um, and on the flip side, there were one or two other things that were really cool that we recorded that just didn't really fit. Woods, what are you eating? <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's a podcast I shouldn't be eating. Right? <laughs> <laughs> basically, uh, basically finished. Uh, uh, I had some pork chops. Oh. Job. We don't want to get into my cooking right now, but trust this, me, they were good. This is a halal podcast. We have <laughs> jokes, jokes. All right, uh, that's Mahomes, ironic, I, actually, considering the next record. But <laughs> um, Lucid, can I ask you about? Sears? We'll laugh about that in a year. Um, <laughs> I feel like it came out, and then the world went crazy, and we all sheltered in place, and it just it just is kind of under discussed. Um, can you tell us a little bit about um, your approach on that and particularly um, kind of like why release it as a 120 something minute track and um, what what happens at the end when Woods comes in and Youngman comes in that like kind of finishes it off do you mind going into that mm -hmm. um, well, I guess regarding the format um, I've been kind of like really interested in one taker sort of mix show kind of format. Um, maybe, I don't know, since maybe uh, almost 10 always? years, maybe. Always. No, about 10 years. Always? The first, the first yeah. time I did it was on the tape called Bird Eats Snake. Okay. And it was like a one track, 40 minute sort of a thing. And at the time I was really into like, like DJ mix shows and like internet radio, like NTS had just kind of started up and I was just like into all these kind of like global sounds and it would just be a straight mix of music for an hour and it was just like, oh, this is the shit, you know? Yeah, uh, I guess before that I hadn't been listening to it for like that in a while. And I just liked the idea of just like, like totally sinking in and listening and just giving it attention. 
versus like picking singles and shit, which is like you know, on the wave right now with streaming, whatever. But I don't care. I'm into like a full immersive sort of experience, um, especially when it comes to like my productions. Uh, on Sears shit, yeah, Woods and, and Paul Barman. Oh, Youngman, Youngman. Paul <laughs> now you let it. Now you let it out. Now everyone. Yeah, knows. yeah, yeah. Youngman. <laughs> um, yeah, just kind of just fit into the flow of, of things, you know. It was like very much without vocals at all, up until like a certain point. It was just like, yeah, it's time to add uh, some voices in the mix there. Uh, yo, thanks for bringing that up, man. Yeah, for sure. I just like I, I try to stay up on what you guys do all the time. And I just realized that I had totally missed it. So I, I figure I can't be alone in that boat. So we might as well mention it here yeah, so yeah, people yeah. can go back and try to- Shout out Bandcamp Day. Shout out yeah. Bandcamp Day. Yeah. Uh, a nice little boost on those past two or three there, uh, just on the Searship, so cool. So, Which project is better, Searship or Every Egg W? Which project is better? Hmm. Well, I'm asking them. I have, okay. I think Searship is a little bit more approachable, um, uh, though it, it does enter into different phases at different times. I, I, I think I connected with it a little bit more. I found mm -hmm. the every egg I cracked was double yolk to be a little too left field, but um, with the caveat that I might have been bringing baggage to it, I can't really listen to anything with a completely open mind. Um, though it was impressive, I found it to be a, like... Um, uh, a pane of glass in between me and it where I wasn't really connecting with it. With Seership, I just you know, jumped in just to mix the metaphor a little further. Mm. <laughs> I guess if you include that you put out a repress of um, now, now I'm forgetting to plug the only one of these records I'm selling. Uh, shit, don't rhyme no more. <laughs> yeah, considering you had a remaster and extra tracks on uh, Shit, Don't Rhyme No More, you actually put out three records mm -hmm. very recently. Mm -hmm. Quiet, very quiet. Let's <laughs> <laughs> try to make it a little less quiet. That's what we're here no, for. No, I'm curious to get out and play Searship live. Um, I got a chance to do that with every egg and just seeing how people respond um, on big speakers for that. Uh, every egg is definitely like very experimental and I also feel like um, in a live format, it probably works better than actually listening to it on your headphones. Mm -hmm. uh, from what I've seen, from what I've seen, I was on tour with Mike Eagle um, and uh, some things I was doing earlier in the year, like when we were with uh, Arm & Hammer, we were out in Europe and just seeing the, the the reaction to some of those joints. Yeah, yeah. Can't wait to get out there and play serious shit. I was here in June of 2021. It's an early date. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> I cannot imagine going, wow. to, going to a club <laughs> show right now. So, the, yeah. yeah, we could talk about a year. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. Wow. That actually, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. We should talk, we got to talk about some show stuff after the phone call. Melissa, mm -hmm. just remind me. Mm -hmm. Something came up that's pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, go ahead. That's great. Um, Kit, just to kind of flip it back to uh, Shrines for a little bit, what? talk to us about that photo. Like, yeah. where is it from? What was the idea behind it? I mean, it's absolutely perfect, but I, I just, 
I was really interested to hear kind of what the backstory on that is. All right, so it took me a while to think of what we were gonna do art-wise on this record. Um, I really, you, you, usually I have a, an idea or a sense of what, and I, I just, everything I was thinking of was not really coming together as we were working on the project, you know, because I started thinking about that stuff. And then at a certain point, um, so I, I lived in New York when that happened, and I used to live, uh, I used to live in uptown for, <clears throat> when I first came back to New York, I, I lived uptown for uh, for a good amount of time, and then eventually I came to Brooklyn, and I never went back. But um, I had only just moved to Brooklyn, I think, a little bit before uh that event if i'm not mistaken it's like 2004 i could be wrong um anyway uh it was just one of those things i was riding the train every day that was the cover of the uh of the tabloid paper of record <laughs> <laughs> in new york and uh, and so i remembered the photograph and i'm just the type of person uh who always like reads the paper and it's just and also it's from an area I used to live so of course I was interested oh I see my couch on the floor so um it was something that I remembered and then it just you know as I'm sitting there and trying to think that came back to me and I thought that's perfect um mm. for a variety of reasons uh I just thought it was it, it was perfect so then what happened was um and I don't know if you want me to get into that or if you want me to get into how I actually procured the photo. I, I want to know how you curious. procured the photo. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I did some research. I found the photo. Um, and then I found the credits for the photo. And then this was actually a good long period of, it was probably like a, a three weeks to a month of my life, um, which at one point got pretty stressful for reasons we'll wow. get to, but I found a photographer, uh, got in touch with him. He was very friendly and professional, um, but he let me know that uh, the photograph belonged to um, the newspaper and not to him. Ah. Mm. He is a staff photographer, belonged okay. to this newspaper. Um. I started reaching out to the newspaper uh, and I remember actually I said, Oh, that's probably, that's probably going to be a dead end. And I remember his response was kind of like, not if you approach them the right way necessarily. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you know, I, at that point I was so into this idea that I really didn't want to abandon it. So I reached out because I had some thoughts of maybe somebody do a depiction of it or, but right. you know, I didn't really want to do that. So I reached out to the newspaper that took, Oh, I sent a bunch of emails with all this information and links, no answers to the relevant parties. Then, um, I started calling and then I would call and they wouldn't answer at the desk that's supposed to handle licensing. No, would answer the phone. And I started calling the general number and they patched me through to that desk. And then, I started calling and just saying whatever to get to somebody else. And I got to somebody else and they would say, I'll give the message to the guy who's away from his desk. Nothing would happen. Finally, I just kept at it. And, um, and the guy said, okay, I had sent them again, all the information. 
And then they said, okay, well, you know, uh, this licensing company, uh, in this case, Getty is where you're going to get her from, and um, the rights. And so then I start negotiating with them only to find out that the picture is not as big of a picture as I thought. Uh, um, and as I would have expected, because in my mind, I was thinking full bleed, right. like the tiger in your face. You know what I mean? Right, like right. that I was really, and this is a good example of a lot of times you need to be able to step back from things. And because sometimes you're so in love with your idea, it can lock you off to other things. So mm. at that point, I'm disappointed. I got the picture. I'm trying to figure out what should we try to upsize it and risk it not having and um, I happen to know a lot of artists and photographers, so I just engaged with a lot of them about what they thought, how to approach it, got a lot of different opinions. Um, but one was uh, Alexander Richter, who's done a lot of photography for us. He shot the paraffin cover. He said, maybe just put it on a, white, on a background. Mm. And... Um, and I actually, it was that in combination with another photographer who was like, maybe take a, print it out, make a photograph of it, and then take a picture of that. Mm. And I tried that, but it just didn't come out right. But then the idea of the, of the picture on the background, because when I talked to Alex about it, he'd been like, if you do that, use a white background. And then once we did that, I said, yo, this actually, you know, like step back from your first idea. And the funny thing is that now having it, it's so much better this way. Huh, okay. Um, you haven't actually seen the, the, the vinyl yet, but um, I'm, I'm happy that it's not full bleed on the vinyl, actually. Uh, there's something about it sitting there, and then also the, the rest of the vinyl is all white, including on the back. There's no words or anything, so it, oh. it adds another element of power to it. Right, totally. Whereas if it had been full bleed, then I would have been faced with the challenge of coming up with something on the backside that carried the same sort of weight as that image, which right. would be obviously very, very hard because that image is crazy. Um, yeah. It has so many layers to it. Yes. Uh, and so we in the end, that so all worked out for the best. Tiger management, because Tiger King was the big thing at the beginning of quarantine, and everyone in the world watched it. So it just gives this really interesting view of like. This I was actually so when that started happening. A, I thought it's only a matter of time before somebody gets their mixtape, and you know, I mean, just uses this. And apparently, people had really forgotten that it ever happened, because that story is crazy. I mean, the guy had roommates at one point. I believe he had a roommate who had a child. That's oh crazy. Yeah. And they moved in and just went with it. Um, but, you know, I, I, when, it, when, it, when it started happening, you know, I, I was like, oh, man. I, I also was like, I hope people don't think that I like got inspired by Tiger King or something. Right. Um, but, uh and, and yeah, I was sweating bullets. I'm not gonna lie. I was sweating bullets that any day somebody was gonna put out their their um their mixtape. Their Joe Exotic uh, mixtape. <laughs> you know, yeah, whatever their mixtape with that uh the Harlem Tiger on it or whatever. Um but yeah, it, it turned out to be perfect in ways that I couldn't have even imagined. And um 
yeah, I think that I think the image is really powerful, and like I said, it operates on a lot of levels, which is something that is important to me when looking at art in general, and definitely when talking about a cover or something like that. You know, I want it to be something that you can look at and 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 get different things out of it in relationship to the art every time you look at it. Oh, no, perfect, guys. Um. You know, I, I have a question. I usually ask most um, duos this, um, especially duos with overt chemistry. You know, what's the process behind the majority of your songs? Like, do you guys trade notes? Do you guys have meetings beforehand? Um, and especially, how how has that process changed since with this album, uh, Elucid took more of an um, executive producer role? Hmm. Well, I'm going to let him answer, but I don't even know if that's accurate, because I would oh, say yeah? that most of the time, most of the time it's there's a pretty there's separation of powers just without really having to discuss it too much we don't step mm -hmm. on each other's toes very much it's not a problem mm -hmm. but most of the time the production is supplied by both people in terms of where what might come in and that you would think about using mm -hmm. but we usually elucid is more likely to have a yay or nay vote on the beat Mm -hmm. you know like both people bring beats in mm. and if he says let's rhyme on this i'm probably gonna do it you know i cannot remember a time where i was like i'm absolutely no. not gonna do it or whatever right, right. okay okay um that's that's step one so i'm just saying that's it's always one. been that way not that you know uh, it's always kind of been that way yeah okay so that's step one and then i guess lyrically it's just uh the songs just come out of like maybe conversations uh, sometimes emails pass back and forth. Um, someone will start the song. So you say, if I if I heard the beat, loved the beat, wrote a verse, Woods, what do you think about this? If it's inspiring, he'll move on it, you know? Sometimes we'll get together and, and actually like pre-plan, like this might be the theme that we're running with and, you know, maybe we'll attack it two different ways or however way we, uh, we get from the beat based on that theme. But yeah, we've kind of been running with that same formula since uh, race music. No, am I right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes yeah. I'd say there's a tight, you know, somebody will be like, is there a title? Is there an idea? What are you doing? Um, but somebody else asked me about it before, and I said that all of those things are in play, and there's also a certain level in this collaboration, and I mean, I don't say it lightly, where there's definitely like an unusual sort of uh, bond that, um, yeah. in the work that things just happen without, it that happened. I don't think <laughs> I wouldn't be like, Oh, this, Hey, you can just replicate this by going to do this yeah. because there's definitely stuff that we've done where after recording it, I was like, I don't even know how did that make why sense? it all fits together right. as well as it does. Um, right. or there'll be ideas that are both, uh, in there or even if they're in opposition to each other, the ideas will both be in there. Sometimes with very little discussion or um, songs where uh, everything becomes congruent just through a process I couldn't really explain to you. And I mean, I've recorded songs with lots of rappers and it's just, not, it's a rare, it's a rare thing. Dope. So I'm cognizant of that and like thankful for that. I don't think you could just sit down and like plan it out and have it happen like that. Mm -hmm. 
Um, can we uh, talk a little bit about the guests? And I, I guess what I'm wondering, and we don't have to go through like song by song or anything, but I guess like, do you start with a wish list or does the beat or the, the song's <laughs> needs kind of uh, dictate who you reach out to? It does seem like there are more guest appearances on this than some of the, the past albums. But if you guys could speak to that a little bit. I think a lot of those guests are producers. Um, and then I guess people who were collaborating who weren't producers, it was just homies that I was just like, you would fit here. I really been been wanting to work with you. This is the perfect opportunity. Like, let's do it. Um, like, like more mother. I've been wanting to do a record with her for the longest time. And it yeah. just made sense on Ramsey's. Um, Pink Sifu was around who kind of connected us or there was a connection point between a few different people involved in the record. And it was just like, yo, you would sound ill over this. Like, I know it. So can you, can you do this for us? Akai Solo, um, the homie who's just around, always ready with a sharp dart. Sure, you sound amazing here. Like, jump on it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think most of the people like producers and maybe through the producers, maybe I'm trying to think of like the connections, but maybe through the producers, maybe a couple of other people were, were brought in via that link. But um, it wasn't really a wish list. Yeah, it wasn't really a wish list. It yeah, wasn't it wasn't really. really I would say that More Mother had been somebody that I had since her and Elusive have been had a relationship. And so I would always be like, get her. You know, I have a lot of respect. Very unique artist. And so I'd be like, let's do something. Let's do something. You know what I mean? But I didn't actually know her. So it was like at the convenience of chaz making it happen but then i actually met her this year and the funny thing is we ended up doing some other stuff too that hasn't come out yet um that i thought was pretty cool um and then there were a couple people like earl uh just knowing him and then i was out in california at one point and played him some joints um and he was like oh, i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it and so then i picked a space because I was like, all right, let me figure out where, what makes the most sense. And once I knew where it was going to be, he was actually in South Africa at the time. And it turned into a huge ordeal to get that first recorded into oh, us. Wow. But uh, it came to him was great. And then other people like Quelle, it's interesting because he did a track with us on Rome. And I brought him in on that just as somebody who I respect. I didn't know him that well, but I respected his art. We'd met a few times and said, can we do this? He did it. Yeah. This time he was somebody who I was seeing more often because he kind of lived in my neighborhood and would sometimes just hit me up that he was walking around. We'd just smoke and talk. Fascinating, intelligent guy, obviously, um, and a funny person to be around. Yeah. So it was just like hanging around, and then you're like, oh, you should do something with this. I think also that he had been around Navy Blue, who was somebody who. I knew about his work, but uh, I still have never met him, although we talked and just has never really worked out. Um, but when Earl was in New York, it, that connection got closer, you know, even though I didn't meet him. And so, um, and then I guess we did some joints over Navy Blues Beats. Uh, we recorded some things and then Quelle was like, oh, I heard what you guys are doing, da, 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 da. And I had done, he had asked me to do something but then it was just like a skit, you know, which I was happy to do. Right. And um, I was like, I know this isn't really an equal favor, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I have these. And the funny thing was that at first I sent him this beat 
by Kenny Siegel. Mm-hmm. And I think it was in my mind. It was like, I like the beat a lot. And I was like, this is, this is a Quelle beat. This sounds, uh, this sounds like a Quelle beat. I sent it to him and he was like, I can rock with this, but what else do you have? <laughs> um, and then I sent him, no, maybe he was out at my house. I can't remember if it was at my house or I sent it to him, but I played the Andrew Broder beat and he was like, this is the one. And I was kind of surprised, but I was like, cool. You know, I know that he can rap. So it's like, he has a lot of flaws. He's going to rap. And then he just came through and we both went to the studio and, um, and knocked it out that day. And then Alyssa got on it. So there's, there's some things where um, it was just sort of Curly Castro the same way coming through a lot. He was just around and he'd be like, what are these beats? What are these beats? Curly Castro actually came through when I was working on charms and kind of helped me work out some things with like how I was writing, finishing that verse, um, ironically enough. And that was the same day uh, I played him some beats and he, he, he did the, he came up with the pommel horse chorus and also another thing that hasn't come out yet. Hey fellas, um, I, I want to um, touch base on one of the uh, tracks on the album, which is Pummel Horse with uh, Curly Castro, as you mentioned earlier. Um, Nate and I um, joke around about um, August Fannin because we're fans of his work, and we. And, but he's kind of this I mysterious think it's dude. Just for the record. Is it Fanon? Okay, August yeah, Fanon. Yeah, yeah, like Franz Fanon. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Can you give us some insight on working with him? Because um, he was a part of your first album as well. No. <laughs> Yeah. No, uh, yeah, Rome, right? Rome. 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 Right. He's all over Rome. Rome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How how um, is how is working the with first him? thing the first thing you need to know about August Fanon is he's got many, many, many beats. August Fanon, <laughs> the first I met I, I haven't met him physically. I believe he's in mm. Dallas, Texas. I have not had a chance <laughs> to meet him in, in the flesh. But the very first time we connected on the cyber tip, August Fanon sent no exaggeration about 25 beats the first day. And then every single week, there'd be another 20 beats. So, I mean, yeah, August Fanon can produce every rapper's album (laughs) for the next 10 years. (laughs) He's got beats, man. He's got beats. An amazing talent. He he makes a lot of beats. Yeah, I have this. Makes a lot of beats. Um, and I think that, you know, the uh, the first time we worked with him, he was sending so many beats that at a certain point, and they were all like equally good, that it actually was the first time in my life that I ever was like, just stop opening the emails because yeah. we're never going to get anywhere. That was when we were working on Rome. We were like, we're never going to get anywhere. I mean, because we didn't even get new beats from him for, I mean, maybe a few but we didn't even have to really go get new ones for paraffin right. because we still had so many. Um, and all of them were just dipped in lava, you know? So um, as far as a person to work with, uh, it would be easier for me to tell you about other things he did. than like, as far as the beats, it's, it's, it's pretty straightforward. And he's, you know, he's just a machine. He just makes them and sends them to you. I'd say as a person, he's it's been an interesting connection. He's definitely a person who will like send you a rare foreign film. True, 
true. They ever do that? They definitely sent me like rare old like black and white like 60s black film makers in Algeria or whatever. Yeah, you guys are just completely. Well, shit that isn't even quite criteria period. collection, but it should be. <laughs> should be. Yeah. Um, and he would send these the most... mixes. Man, yeah, go ahead. Do you remember those mixes, Elusive, that he had? Like, oh, yeah, he would send yeah, yeah. whole records complete with artwork, whole instrumental records. Hour long right? with mixes. The theme, artwork, all these different Sound beats, hits, sound bites. The whole thing, just for, I still have them. Like there's, the, there was the Sonic Youth one. There was like all wow. of these other ones taken from African like music sources. Uh, uh, it, you know, it must be something akin to like Madlib, right? Yeah. yeah. You know the level of productivity and how much of it seems to be done, you know, for his own enjoyment and out of just his own you know, ability, because he would send you the whole thing with the artwork and everything, and you're like, when is this coming out? And it's like, oh, there's no, there isn't necessarily an out. Mm-hmm. This is just a thing that, um, this is a thing that I make music, and this is a thing I made. Yeah, that's, you guys are, like, deepening our respect for him, and I, I have this thing, I've been calling him the most interesting man in hip-hop. I've uh, been kind of like <laughs> workshopping it on Twitter and Dave and I talk about it a lot on DMs, like the, the choices he makes. He made this Tokyo cigar record this year. That's fascinating. His Vic Spencer record from this year is fascinating. He just has such a way with melody and to hear these kind of like tales of his legend. It's just someone we want to talk to. And I appreciate you sharing uh, that little bit of a peek behind the curtain. Um, I, I would to- also say that um, I know you're moving on, but I'd also oh, no, say please. that uh it was actually uh, Ma Kami. I was like hanging out when I first met him. We were hanging out in person, and he was. Uh, I was telling him how much I loved the beats on HBO, and uh, yeah. mm-hmm. that was before I even heard the Gat, which is a lot of that is August too. Like those two had crazy synergy, and Mock was like, "Yo, I'm gonna put you on with him," and you know, basically it was like made made all of that happen. So shout out to him. Nice. And after he did it, you know, once I was working sure. with Fanon, I realized. Because sometimes people want to keep a fire producer just under their wing to themselves. Right. And I realize no wonder because the guy has too many beats. <laughs> for, you know what I mean? It's like Hell. too much. That's usually not the problem. Usually you're like sitting around drumming your fingers, waiting for producers to send you beats, or they send you packs, and it's like two joints are hitting out of ten, which is not not a diss. You know, that's nothing to be mad about. Right. Whereas mm-hmm. this guy was just sending packs of just everything in there was crazy. Everything. So the first one you got, you're like <laughs> trying to save all of them. And then after a month or two, you're just like, just pick your favorite one or two and just keep it moving because there's better beats coming in a week. Mm, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, I never had an experience like that in my entire life, to be totally honest. That first time around, especially on Rome, I was just like, I don't even understand how a person can make this many dope beats. That's so dope. Um, So I do want to bring it up to the present moment a little bit and just kind of hear your guys' take on this theory, which I I don't think I came up with. I think I'm just kind of crowdsourcing it, but that with everything going on in the world right now, it's actually Rome and Paraffin that would be like the soundtrack to what's happening in the streets. And you guys have like kind of taken a slightly different direction with shrines. And I guess I just want to hear like 
do you think that's true? And if there's anything you'd want to share with us or the audience about like what, what's happening in the streets right now, what's happening in America right now? I know that's a big question and it's not really a question, but I, I guess, do you have anything you, you'd be willing to share with us? Well, those are like two different things. Okay. Do you agree so with I guess my for me, assertion I'd say that, that there's, the, there's the aspect of um, things that, uh, you know, uh, you, you can't really say, I agree. It's like, in some ways, I went back and listened to Paraffin, and I was like, oh, this kind of is that record. Um, and, but, you know, I think that that says something for artists that uh, maybe that's part of, like, the magic of the collaboration where sometimes it's the head of things you know what i mean mm-hmm. you know things are you have a time machine and it are a little bit ahead. yeah the things <laughs> you're doing are a little bit ahead of or or another one i thought of is uh scared because everything came true that i wrote right you know on, yes. On. <laughs> yes we're living it dude yes so, you know <laughs> thanks so that's one part of it and, and um and i just think that that's you know it, it's hard to really say we'll see like where where shrines fits into things when time passes. Yeah, fair enough. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, I tend to agree. I tend to agree. I'm just as like as someone just kind of like paying attention and just watching things boil, will simmer and then boil. And I mean, I guess here we are. And uh, yeah, just tidal shifts all around us, you know, just kind of watching the tidal shifts, kind of in, trying to enjoy where I can, picking my spots. But um, yeah, who knows, man? I, I did, I did peep that. I, I think I can't remember the net, the writer who wrote that who did say that. Uh, yeah, Tom Brand was the Tom Brand. Yeah, it's paraffin was the the record for today. I thought that was kind of interesting. Pretty cool. Yeah. As far as the second part of your question. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously there there's a lot going on. I you know, I, I'm a person who's a, a a student of history, so sometimes I look out at it and I see both the ways that it's different and I also see echoes of like, you know, the early nineteen seventies. Uh-huh. And um you know, coming out of the civil rights movement and as the anti Vietnam civil rights movement still going on, the Vietnam War protests have picked up speed uh the country is you know entering into a national crisis nixon is about to walk off into the sunset um and a very divided nation you know is beset by internal and external conflicts um and you had some very very radical ideas sort of even jostling with the people who we think, you know, the civil rights movement as we think of it today was fighting with itself over some of those ideas, you know what right. I mean? Right. You had uh, you had Eldridge Cleaver was telling people that James Baldwin was an Uncle Tom. Right. You know? He, he would, you know, and then 20 years later, Eldridge Cleaver is uh, voting for Ronald Reagan yeah. right. and trying to run as a Republican. <laughs> Like, I see both the, you know, I'm just always like, I, I see everything that's going on. I'm encouraged. And I think it's, I think it's, 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 it's interesting to see these things happen. And, and certainly these are 
the largest mass protest movements I have had the courtesy of seeing with my own eyes as an American. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I'm always wary of, um, you know, what are we not seeing? Mm-hmm. Where is the backlash going to come from? And, you know, uh, uh, and what are the ideas that are going to last? What are right. the strategies to do things that are going to last, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's, a, I mean, it, it's, it's, cra- it's very exciting and, and it's interesting to see. And, um, you know, yeah, obviously it's a youth-led thing. Yes. Uh, and a lot of the people involved seem to really, seem to have really done a lot of their research and their work and people are impassioned and. Yeah. Okay. And they also feel like you're seeing, um, you see like, the the fact that it's that it's even in small towns yeah. or whatever that there's little things going on is very telling, you know. Yeah. Um, not that it makes it better or worse, but it's just interesting in that in recognizing the specific nature of this specific time and not just thinking, oh, just history runs on a loop. You know, I mean, every time has its own. Yeah, you know, it's not, it doesn't history not running on a loop, but it's definitely cyclical and it's definitely like a push and pull sort of a thing, like we're. We're in a presidency that has gone so far right. Like, what are the people supposed to do other than go left? You know what I mean? Like, it's just like this constant push and pull that happens. Like, what what did we expect? Like, a president who's gone so extreme pro-white nationalist. Like, of course, white people are gonna be like, "Yo, I'm not like that guy. They're too Mm -hmm. guilty. I'm not like that guy. I'm I'm a different kind of white guy or whatever." You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's just you know cycles and pushes and pulls and scales and yeah man it's very interesting to watch be involved in i mean that's what it all that's what it all i mean essentially when you're talking about the civil war for example i mean black people are eight percent of the population so when things like this happen part of the discussion is white people arguing with each other because we've always we're always arguing (laughs) if eight percent of the population is arguing nobody has to care not that much Right. Yeah. You know, like not that much. The Civil War happens when a group of white people is arguing with the other group of white people enough about what the situation about race in America that they have to get into it. You know, so uh, show your commandments out here, man. Yeah. Show your allegiance out here. Yeah. Yeah. What What a time to be uh, alive and creating. Uh, we appreciate you guys coming on to the program. We want to definitely tell Thank everybody y'all. who hasn't heard it yet, go out and cop shrines. Um, I just saw, looked on Twitter and saw a picture of the, of the vinyl. Um, and it looks freaking amazing. So, uh, we just thank you guys again for coming on. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Great record. Yeah, how, I, I have a question. Please. Sure. I have a question. Um, I have two questions. Okay. One, Elucid, when do we get our our, our follow-up, like a full-length, what's the next full-length Elucid album that's coming out? Now even I am confused. <laughs> no, um, I'm actually going to Detroit to finish this record I've been working on with um, Andy for 
the past year now. It's been about a year that I've been working on this record. It's coming wow. out uh, on Mellow Music. And I guess maybe towards the end of the year, early 2021. Um, but yeah, I'm going up there to finish it. And that'll be a, a full-length, elusive solo album produced by The Sound of Lasso. Oh. Yeah. Right on. Okay, my next question is for you guys. How do you rank your Arm & Hammer record? Oh. Best, best to work. I'm ready. Thank, thanks for bleeding into our next segment. Woods, uh, you know, Woods, the I do what I can, man. I do what I can. <laughs> yes. You should have a. I'm a disruptor. <laughs> oh man. Um. So I, I, I'll go first if you don't mind. Um. A paraffin is number one, but I, I often do this if it's the first film I see from a filmmaker or book I read from an author. It tends to be my favorite because it kind of gave me right. entree into the world and the, the patterns. Um. So. Uh. Paraffin is number one. I believe, though I'm many listens behind, Shrines is going to come in number two, then Rome, then Race Music, then Furative Movement. So it almost moves backwards in time. Um, that's you know that's based on I'm I'm probably at five listens of Shrines, and we're gonna have to yeah 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 of course of course yeah <laughs> I'm going Shrines, and you know it kind of feels like you know, like the dude who just likes the, the art, the artist's latest record, but I do feel that. Um, I really just like the beats. I've Can you it. put in some like sound effect applause after you say that in the final <laughs> I can't actually. Make sure, make sure it sounds like black people clapping. <laughs> Nate, we'll record, we'll record some of that clapping offline. <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay, okay. So tribes, then what? Um, paraffin for me, and then Rome. And I never, I didn't really check out the other two small releases, but okay, okay. Um, but that's, that's, um, that's a good list. Yeah. So shrines would be my number one. But again, I mean, you know, I, with your with your guys's work, like there's a lot to sort of unpack. So maybe on my twentieth listen, I'll you know give have a different answer. Okay. Mm. Okay. I'm I'm going uh, paraffin. I'm going shrines. I'm putting that number two just because um, I do really dig the uh, the the audio sound palette, uh, the how it's kind of different from some of the other releases. Uh, and then Rome and like Dave, I, I haven't I haven't heard race music or, or furative yet, but I have furative movements okay. on wax. I'm gonna have shrine on wax soon. We need to work on the others. So if you guys have stashed warehouse copies, <laughs> let's engage in an offline conversation. <laughs> All right, thank you guys for having us on. Oh, of course, thank yep. you. Thank you, man. Yes, best of luck. All right. Yeah, thank you. Take All care, right, guys. peace. Dad Bod Rap Pod, that was our interview with Armin Hammer. Um, I loved Woods at the end, uh, jumping in with uh, putting us on the spot. That was so tight. Yeah, that was, that was real dope. Uh, just so you know, you guys won't see the Zoom, but that, that Key and Peele gif where he's like sweating because he's getting caught watching porn. 
<laughs> when he asked the top three, I was like, Nate, go first. Nate, go first. Oh, Nate, go totally, first. totally. Yeah, I was ready. Totally. I was yeah. ready. I, I, do, I do my research and I happen to love their music. And I came kind of late to it. So, like, I've been listening to it a ton again. Yeah. Like, I was like, Shrines is so good. I have to listen to Paraffin. Paraffin's so good. I have to listen right. to Rome. And right. I didn't know the first two as, me- as much as none of us did. But now that I'm listening to them, I'm like, these are really fucking good, Incredible. too. Really? Yeah. Okay. And they're just, they're really, really well done records. Um, there's a couple things on race music. I just, I, I, my ears weren't ready. Like, one, ready in 2013, I was... Right. I just was nowhere near this scene. I didn't know about it. And even when I first started getting into them, I was like, oh, this album's clearly a different thing. Like, they're not doing the thing that I like, mm-hmm. which is like the dystopian thing, which we talked about a ton. But right. th- then when you go back and listen, it's still them. They're still brilliant. There's some moments of writing on there that are so great. There's this song, I'm not going to remember the title, but both of them talk about um, this very relatable thing that I think we can all relate to, though I grew up middle class, I, I felt this as well when I was a kid of like not being able to wear, like dress how you wanted. And mm-hmm. they do this whole like riff on like brand names. Like um, they, uh, I think it's uh, Woods has this line where he incorporates Russell Athletic into the thing. <laughs> and it's like a kind of rhyme he would never do now. Like it was yeah. almost like a Jizza labels kind of thing where he's like, utilizing the brand names the east bay catalog the nikes the Jordans, funny the i can't imagine it, that okay it's wow. so sick like wow. it's kind of like them doing a different style of hip-hop and on that song i think um elucid sings the hook and it's like oh well they've gotten well away from that as well like nobody sings anything except for usually like fielded or like a yes. different a different yeah. style of voice so it, there, there's a ton to be learned from the okay. early records too okay so you, you heard it here first. Go back and check the early Arm & Hammer releases so you don't look like a dumbass when Woods asked you what your favorite releases are. I know. Um, 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 uh, low in theory. Um, you know, like just anything that comes to mind. No, I actually had heard Rome before Paraffin, but just on a quick listen, you yeah. know, during a workday type shit. So I really had no real premise to review it, but... Yeah, that was really cool when he was like, let me ask you guys, you know? It's like, <laughs> oh, shit. it's really cool when, yeah. like, the artist actually cares. Totally. Yeah. You know, he, he and did that earlier in the interview, too, about right, those two right. Elucid projects, which I, I, I thought that was super interesting, too. And I was totally. like, well, like, just listen to him. Let me tell you what I think. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, so rare opportunity. Great interview. Really, really happy to have those guys. You guys are show. so cool, man. I just yeah. can't. I can't imagine how it feels to walk around being like, I, I'm the best rapper in my best friend or close compatriot is basically like scotty pippen in this equation where it's like right. he's well he might be the second best rapper but he's also like the second best rapper in the group you know right, what i mean yeah. that's just it's, such a weird thing about them it's uh amazing to hear in a bunch of our recent interviews about how much is going on in brooklyn if we just even if we go back to the fat tony kind of talking about um the scene there over the past couple years and talking to nappy nina uh, apparently, Quelly Chris is just traipsing around Brooklyn all day, writing rhymes um, on his phone, as they yeah. talked about in uh, the Callout Culture podcast interview with Armin Hammer, which you guys should also check out if you liked if you liked our take on it. They did a slightly different version of the interview where all those guys are MCs, so it's real MCE. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yes, yeah. And then uh, Donna Claire from DJ Booth had a written interview that was posted with them this morning. So 
There's a lot oh, of DJ a lot booth of information. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Anderson Pot doesn't have anything to be reviewed. <laughs> oh. they, they gave uh, Mac Miller another 10. No, it's <laughs> Shitting on DJ booth for no reason. Shout out DJ. Booth. Um, sometimes. All, all right. Sometimes. Um, so yeah, that, wow. I, I love this program. Cause sometimes you just, Jokes make this is what I miss. I miss you guys. I wish we were just hanging out in person. I know. I think, anyways, maybe soonish with distance, perhaps. I don't know. Right. So, so that's a hard no then? (laughs) (laughs) String cups from like Uh, tin cans with strings. What was that's what uh, the first initial quarantine episode sounded like, anyway? (laughs) uh, Pretty much. We've come a long way, haven't we, in the last three months? What is it? Uh, the tweet was uh, in the Bay Area. We'll see what's up. Equals no. Yes, <laughs> totally. One hundred percent. And then we'll see what's you, up. You'll you'll know why because you'll be like, who all gonna be there? <laughs> right. Exactly. We'll see what's up. We'll see what's up. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll see what's up is no for sure. Yeah. It's, so, it's uh, like a, it's a no. My mom hasn't learned how to decipher yet. <laughs> Her. Although shout out to Janelle because she's listening yes. to the program. Um. <laughs> So we, we talked to Armin Hammer. We talked about shrines, which um, you can hear us gush about in the interview. Um, and that is definitely one of the strongest albums of the year. We're officially midway through uh, 2020. And uh, yeah, we just wanted to take a, a little bit of time to kind of stop. And this is the all-star break. Um, thinking about what albums are on track to potentially being an album of the year. Um, if you listen to us for the last couple of years and you should have, uh, you'll know that we do a, a whole jamboree at the end of the year where we, we hand out album of the year um, and a bunch of other kind of um, And last year categories. Woods came on and we didn't do like a fake, here it is, you accept your award over audio, <laughs> but we did interview Woods who made the album of the year Hiding Places with Kenny Siegel. It should have some applause, Nate. Gonna <laughs> have some canned applause. Uh, I, I, can work on that. Uh, yeah. I need like if we ever get a real studio, I'll have like a soundboard like they have. Totally. Impress, yeah, yeah, live, totally. totally. Right. Do, 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 do. <laughs> um, what's it called? The um, and last year when we did this version of the episode, the mid-year check-in, we had Vic Spencer on. Yes. And he had done one of the best records of yes. that year up to that point. So right. um, we're, ha- we're having a little run with this. I have a, I have a extensive list. How do we want to structure this? Tomorrow? Yeah, so let's, um, let's walk through. And if you could, Nate, I know you have your list of kind of a, a top 12. Um, why don't you start with some of the outliers? Okay. And then, and then we'll, kind of, we'll kind of weave our way into what we think. Work Landing on the top three. Okay. Yeah, if we try to land, let's see if we can land on the, what are the top three contenders? Okay. Um, honorable mention, like you guys heard in the interview, and this is probably my favorite interview segment we've done in a minute. Dave asked uh, Woods and Elucid about August Fanon, and Dave and I have been kind of obsessed with August Fanon lately, and he has two excellent records this year that I don't, they're not the kind of records that would be album of the year, but they're really interesting records. And he currently has my attention and everything that was said in the interview, like I'm going back and I'm going to try to get my hands on some of those mixes. Like I need to see what is up with this guy. Crazy. He's just like this crazy beat making. Yeah. I'm super intrigued person. So um, he has two records I would recommend. One is Vic Spencer 
Segway God, um, psychological cheat sheet, which has probably some of the best and brightest and most melodic beats I've ever heard. And there, mm. there's like 12 bangers in a row. It's just like, mm. it's such a well-produced record. I love that record. And then he has a group with this dude called Tokyo Cigar called Haircut Ambiance, which again, beautiful title, <laughs> especially during Shelter in Place. Sure, We're sure. actually in a no haircut ambiance. Sure, but sure. Uh, but yeah. like, that's, that's hilarious to me. And so I'm also intrigued with this dude, Tokyo Cigar. I'm learning about him. I'm listening to some of his Bandcamp projects. It's like someone I really have my eye on. Um, Last week's guest, Nappy Nina, has a short but powerful yes. project called 30 Bag that we're yes. all really into. Um, Quelle Chris, past guest. All right, uh, let's, let's talk about this record. All right. Um, what is it? What's the name of the album again? Innocent Country 2 with Chris Keys. So, so Innocent Country 2, last year, um, my personal record of the year uh, was Guns. Uh, mm-hmm. Quelle Chris is, you know, very high concept, but also super dope album so i was really excited about innocent country um because of the singles that they released i think the chris keys quale chris link up um is the best of both worlds because i it it hit me one day that like quale chris sounds amazing on piano based production um just for whatever reason i never made that kind of like you know a connection with a rapper before but like dude anything with the piano he usually sounds money. And the first three singles that they put out off of Innocent Country um, were amazing. Like, I was super, super excited about this. Um, but for me, this record felt like when you list, when you see a movie and the trailer's mad hot, and then you get into the movie and you're like, oh, all the best parts were in the trailer. Interesting. <laughs> oh, I see. Um, yeah, just somehow, I'm not sure. I'm still trying to piece together why I don't like it more. Hmm. Um, but for some, on some level, it kind of lost its way. Um, sometimes I think Quelle Chris, um, to me, doesn't carry the uh, abstract avant-garde thing as well as, let's say, Arm & Hammer. Like, they live in that space. Where he, he to me, when he's kind of decently in pocket, cool beat like he's talking about real life shit it really hits whenever he the beat gets too abstract or he's trying to do something flow wise that's just definitely high level craftsmanship but i'm like i i don't quite understand what i'm listening to right now um also also quale chris mixes his vocals mad low to where you're kind of like what did he say and sometimes I'm sometimes okay that's that, dope. But like i have a condo in sludge village so like, <laughs> i'm like totally used to that at this point uh dave do you have thoughts mixed or not on this on that, project i was gonna say the things that damone just mentioned is kind of what i like about quelle i yeah. like the i like the low vo- the you know the low volume of the voice i like the i like the weirdness i I guess I do agree that I don't always am down when he when he tries these crazy flows, but I still appreciate the craftsmanship, like you mentioned. Um, I, this is gonna sound like a super weird thing for me to say to you, Damone, but like the record is so black, like it's so it's like this celebration of like African American creativity and like sure. it's like a spirit uplifting like. So, and some and points, right? Borderline like, gospel almost at times, like celebration of the like 
spirit of, and, and of I, a people. And I'm like, you're not on board with that? That like blows I, I, my mind. <laughs> I love I love what I love off, off yeah. of that record. Uh, the, like I said, the first three singles were amazing, Sacred Safe. Um, uh, of course, they're all going to escape me right now. <sighs> but I played those a bunch. Um, I think all of Quelle Chris, Chris's work um, is very much steeped in in the black experience, and so he really he really holds that up, and that's part of why I dig where he comes from. But um, yeah, just for whatever reason, I just wanted to call it out because it's a record that no, I, I love I that, and like I, love I, and... I I slipped it in there because for me it's not the top tier; it's kind right. of more in the 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 top of the the bottom of the top or whatever. Let me do a couple others sure. that I don't think we need to like go super long on but that are on my list uh deuce ellis and camo monk camo liked ellis it. is like liked it a lot. by far my instrumental project of the year i love it i bought the vinyl i'm like obsessed with these beats um and then all of the 38 special records like i know dave yeah. and i in particular yeah. have yeah. a hold yeah. on hold on let me list them first <laughs> planet asia yeah rashid chappelle 30 or uh, shay noir Right. And I actually think I'm forgetting one. I think he has his own. Trust uh, Planet Asia. Oh, did you say that? Yeah, I said Planet Asia. He, Trust Gang is his his group. Um, so there's that. And to me, they're not album of the year contenders. But when you take the totality of the work that mm -hmm. he did, it's mm -hmm. a very compelling moment. It's for me one of the defining things of this year is like 38 special leveled up as I, a as a rhymer and as a producer and as a like. Um, herder of cats of different talents right, uh, right. Uh, i think what he's doing is really special and i really feel like in a way we're the only people who are covering it in our space right. and like including him in this kind of like conglomeration of all the people who we think are really making noise in hip-hop but please yeah no no i i love takes <laughs> i take the mantle from you nate um <laughs> no i i love the I was just gonna say, I love the the business model of of how he put together this run. Right. So he's got all these albums, and I'm like, dude, how can you have this many albums? But it's really like he took Jay Z's Rock La Familia um, model mm -hmm. and then multiplied it out. Uh, so for everyone in his crew, he basically has an album with them, right. and it it all falls under 38 Special. I mean, he's he's on all of them, but he he creates this space where um he's letting everybody in his crew kind of have their shine but also attached to the name he's already made so i love i love the the approach i like some of the records i i love that planet asia is involved that's <laughs> Some, a, somehow that's, a, that's wild good record dude that's a very that's like, good record yeah. that's his best record in like 20 years uh <laughs> <laughs> Um, I remember when Planet Asia first came out and everyone was like, this guy's the next second coming. He's oh, just man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny, though, because the, the thing he was supposed to be was the next Rasco. Right, Which was right. not necessarily something you want to be. I know. Uh, you I know. know. It's, uh, I'll always love Planet Asia because he says San Jose. Right. His, uh, his, uh, when, when he was in Fresno's our area. Fresno's in your area. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. It's right. on the uh, right. uh, Peanut Butter Wolf, Wolf. My Vinyl Weighs a Ton. A ton. Yes. Yeah. Smart. Thanks, peanut butter. As a collector of San Jose references, that's a very good one. <laughs> and there's and there's there's only a handful. Uh, shout out to Thirty Eight Special. I think it's a great um, it's a great model. And for me, I think that that music is like, if Griselda is just a little too, mm -hmm. too weird for you, like Thirty Eight Special is like perfect. Like I right, think, right. I think it's it's a lot of what you get with Griselda without 
some of the more over the top stuff. It's more just mm -hmm. rhyming, rhyming. Um, I think right. Shay Noir is is amazing. We we just had her on the program totally. the last episode. So shout out to Thirty Eight Special. Very interesting run. I if we we might need to create a most interesting run category uh, right, at the end of the year because because yeah. this would be that. Well, um, I think so I think rap is being defined by these runs. So totally. It, yeah. it was it was the year we had to decide were Milo's three records better than Rock Marciano's six. I know. Or I'm like, and everyone who made one record, go fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what are you even talking about? One, taking one a decade. Time? Yeah. yeah okay. One, one last fringe candidate, and we spent some time on this on another show. I have to I have to keep talking about Medhane, Cold Water. Um, video loving this record. Super dope. The video for no cap. Video for yeah. no cap, and like, who writes? a hookless one minute 25 second song that's amazing who gets like a peer to hand animate it who yeah. just like kind of tosses it out on twitter and just goes like here's my new shit like take mm -hmm. it or leave it kind of like he, he's so dope i'm like kind of getting obsessed with i him. i i don't know if, i don't think he's new right like i i know he's been around for a little bit but there is there i feel like there is an emergence with him like he seems like he's coming into a, a wider awareness i think he's going on a run <laughs> this, this is his 20 this is he has two projects in 2020 and they're both at that kind of like 25 35 minute mark okay and it's like and i i feel like based on like you know social media stalking he's got more to come it's only june i know i know man, well it's well one thing with uh compi compiling these like mid-year lists i was like man what what an enthralling year already there's so much fucking good shit even I, like the the eight off the top of my head we're good. And then, I, you know, when I did research just to be like, oh, anything else I forgot. Yeah. Those were all incredible too, you know? Totally. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. embarrassment um, of riches, guys. Totally. So going kind of backwards up, I think this is where I'd start to slot in the J Electronica record. Ooh. Absolutely. Which Absolutely. we talked about pretty extensively on our crossover episodes with Call Out Culture called The Takeoff. And we did a whole J Electronica thing. So a lot of our thoughts are recorded there, but like, I, All right. I want to ask again, because we're right. about a month after that. Are you guys still listening to it? I, I'm not, but I don't know if that's always the measure of how good a, an album is. Do you know what I mean? Um, I, you know, I haven't put on the Ramones in, in three months. That doesn't, you know. But... That is out of character, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with Dave? Horace Andy, though, is still on deck, though. Wants to be your boyfriend. <laughs> um, I think it's an incredible record. Um, yeah. I, you know, it's one of those that obviously, like you said earlier, we, we already sort of expounded our thoughts on it, but, um, to, I will probably not live up to the hype, but God damn, dude, what's not to like? I know. I, I Besides I, Damone, who yeah. hates it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm actually still listening to Ghost of Soldier Slim and, and Never Ending Story. I think those are, are amazing tracks. What I was going to say is I feel like this record is like, you know, those A24 films? which are like yes i watch all of them right <laughs> which are like you know when that comes on right it's like it's not necessarily a super indie film but it's it's a fringe enough that it's not a mainstream movie it's overground overground mm -hmm. that's how i feel about this record i feel like this is um the most underground mainstream record that you're gonna that you're gonna hear um yeah. this year and yeah. i feel like if you do take away the hype around it and the whole j electronica mystique it's a it's a strong record it's it's a very strong record i i don't know that it's going to make it to the mountaintop but is very strong and i feel like um 
it'd just be great if Jay did a follow. I mean, Jay Electronica did a fucking <laughs> follow up, man. Like, just bro. Right. Yeah. Totally. Just, yeah. Come on, man. Just to me, that would make this record more real if he came out and was just like, okay, now I'm a rapper. Now I put out stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of, we can only base it on what it is. Like he he's proven over the last decade, he's not going to be what you think he is. So right, I, right. I just re-listened to it and it was kind of prompted on like, you know, when something ends and then Spotify keeps playing you stuff that they think is like that. And I heard one of the songs and I was like, let me throw the whole thing on again. And I was like, it's fucking good. (laughs) It's like, it's really good. Okay. uh, Next up, possibly um, too close on this, but I'm going to go West Side Gun, Pray for Paris. Okay. Explosive when it came out, like week of, I was obsessed. And like, I think everyone in our world was like, holy shit, holy shit. It's cooled quite a bit, though. So I'm I'm gonna ask again: Are you guys still listening to this? Do you think it's a top ten record of the year so far? I think so far, certainly. I think for for a record to make such a big boom, there's always gonna be a loud silence afterwards, too. Right. It's oh, all about really the build-up, well Dave. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's exciting. I think it's a really good record. Um, I I think I I don't know if it's his best record, but it's among his best records. And right, it's it's, it's got like star power. To right. it, where before it was so insular to the crew and right. like the close collaborators. So it's interesting to hear him bounce off of all these other people. And the star power was good too. It wasn't just like a random, you know, um, the Tyler, the creator um, drop. It was like totally. a fucking awesome verse. You yeah, know? Rock's, Rock's got a great moment on totally. there. Totally. Uh, the, produ- the production yeah. guests are great. Totally. Um, all right. Next up, uh, friends of the program, Shrapnel. Oh, man. Incredible record uh, on my list as well. Um, Definitely part of that Vanguard. um, Again, like what's not to like, man? Um, Incredible uh, mood to the album. I really like the beats a lot. Shout to Elucid. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. So I think with this, it's what's really cool to see because like we we hadn't met uh, Prem yet when we interviewed them, but I thought we like, it it was just like talking to a a homie, which I Mm. love those interviews when we had them on, but um, Castro, we've talked to enough that I feel like we have a rapport. It's like, it's being mentioned, not just in our little world, but in like other publications as like an album of the year candidate. And I could not be more happy about that for them. And to hear Woods like praise Castro and talk about his role. Totally. Shrines to the forefront was super cool. Um, It's just like, it's, it's just cool to see someone you would, you like, and you admire, like level up. And like, I I think this, it's a really, really good record. It is. So solid. Uh, agreed. Agreed. And then I have now we're kind of getting into like serious territory. The big ones. Yeah, we're going to be okay. talking about these in December. Do you guys have any other things that were not on my list that you wanted to discuss before we go into like? So we're going into like the sort of main big ones, right? Kind of alchemist territory. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say the alchemist section. <laughs> we're, wow. we're entering the alchemist lab. The right. alchemist show. First yeah. class. Yes. Yeah. Okay. No. Anybody? Yeah. Okay. Um, so. Let's talk about the two. Let's talk about Milo, and then let's talk about the two Alchemist records. So, okay, uh, Rap Ferreira released Purple Moonlight Pages, which is this like jazzy, real life uh, exploration of language, and probably his best record in a career full of really good records. I'm a huge fan of his, and it's certainly still uh, an album of the year contender for me. I love this record. Like I'm, I'm. I bought the tape. I don't even collect tapes. I have the seal tape <laughs> sitting on my dresser because it was the thing, the thing I could do to support and to yeah. like get the physical. Well, they can't tour. Like, yeah. um, 
So, and when they do wax, I'll be first in line for the pre-order for the wax. Like, I think it's really special. I think the song Leaving Hell is like a defining song of our times. And um, I, I just couldn't like a record more than this. And if it's not to everyone's taste, I totally understand that. But to, for my taste, it's like, it, this is the shit. So I'm loving that. Um, yeah, yeah, I would, uh, I would second that. And Nate and I have gushed enormously about this record, but um I just can't get over how to me it is, you know, he just picked up the baton from Freestyle Fellowship on this record. Like this is like outer city griots. You know what I mean? Like, oh, nice. <laughs> like, nice. I'm glad you brought that up because Elucid does a can you find the level of difficulty in this, in this reference yes, on shrines. Yes. And so yes. I'm like, how's that the most influential song mm. of the year? And Chef's I love kiss. that song. Yeah. Yeah. Chef's it's kiss. So, so cool. It came out really, it was like the first album of the year early with Boldy James, first album of the year uh, kind of candidate. But I'll always connect it to the onset of when we really knew life was fucked up. Like when COVID really got going, um, this record just It, it was like the uh, soundtrack of the no toilet paper era. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. <laughs> when the first run on toilet paper happened, yeah. this, is, Milo, this is the am I going to have to jump in the shower every time I shit record. <laughs> Googling shit bidets, era. yeah. Googling <laughs> Japanese bidet. Um, yeah. So I, I feel like um, I'll, I'll kind of save a little bit because I feel like we are going to talk about this again in December. But right. if you haven't checked it out, and because I know it's not one of those records that's like everybody's cup of tea, like my, uh, Rap Ferreira does not deal drugs. There's drums throughout the whole bit. Um, right. uh, Kenny Siegel is involved, and I just really feel like if you really like, like fucking rap, rap, I, I would really suggest you sit with this. It's not as, it's definitely coffee house poetry influenced, but in none of the corny ways. Like it really, it really holds up. So I would encourage folks, um, if you haven't done so already, to, to check out Purple Moonlight Pages. All right. Uh, sneaker, because we have not talked about this on the show yet. Ka, Descendants oh. of Cain. Speaking of runs, dude is on like a six album run. I totally. Mean, um, incredible record. I love it. I love it for every reason I love every other Ka record. Um, and we were talking about that earlier. I believe maybe two two episodes ago. I think where, that was off air though. I was think, it? I'm pretty sure uh, because uh, Damone had not listened to it yet or not yeah, enough. We, we did. Oh, right. yeah, we, had a whole, we did a whole segment, but didn't publish it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Feel free, like speak freely. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's a little. You know, I get. I guess what I, one one uh, critique uh, criticism of his is it's a little too uh, samey. But you know, I mean, that's like saying you know, uh, Riza is samey. If you're a fan, you're a fan. Ghostface is samey on every fucking song. He's Ghostface. Right. It's like um, this so, Michael Jordan guy gets thirty points a game every game. It's always the same. <laughs> totally, totally. I mean, uh, I'm just a huge uh, fan of Ka. I almost love everything that he does. And trust me, I mean, that type of music where it's so it's so delicate and so uh, detailed. If it did suck, and if it did sort of steer, steer it off the his normal um, trajectory, you'd be like, oh, dude, this new car record sucks. But right. they're all excellent. They're yeah. so solid. All right, um, Damone, hit us. Super solid. Are you a uh, descendant of Kane? Super solid. <laughs> 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 um, so I, I finally, like, sat with it. Like, I kind of... Um, you, you're not... It. You've never fully bought into the car mythology, right? Like, not, not fully, although I understand... I understand why 
so many folks like him. And for me, that's always an interesting challenge to go, everybody else likes this. Why don't I like it as much? Um, sometimes it's fun to be the one guy who doesn't get it or who's yeah. like, you know what? I'm just going to sit this one out. <laughs> but but I, see, I see what people are talking about. I think I said this, or maybe it was on the, on the Lost Tapes that we didn't, we didn't publish. But um, to me, he definitely reminds me of Jizza in the sense of, the economy of words and his style is his style. He never breaks. He never, mm -hmm. he doesn't have one song where he's like, I'm going to try out this other little flow. Mm -hmm. He's mm -hmm. him a hundred percent of the time. Laughs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I really mirth? like the, um, I like the Jizza comparison too, because it's, it is like cold, windy. Cold, fucking, exactly. It, it's exactly. Like, it, 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 it's like liquid swords, like extreme. You know what I mean? Exactly. So if you, you went through a porthole called Liquid Swords and you right. wanted to drill down into that, um, I think Ka has done it. And I, I like his work. Um, for me to rock with a whole record, I think it would have to be produced by somebody. That's why, why I landed. Where I go, his flow, his cadence, his writing style as a rapper, I go, that's, that's pitch perfect. Like, it's kind of like, um, you're going to hate this comparison, but like, uh, Celine Dion is an amazing <laughs> fucking singer. Like she hits all the notes and stuff, but sans a, a proper producer, you could say the same about Whitney Houston, it can get lost. Like that perfection can get lost. And so what I wanted to hear from Descendants of Cain is like, give me a curveball. Give me just mm. change the speed one time mm. for me. Give me something. <laughs> and he's like, nah, bruh. But his but, heart will not go on. <laughs> <laughs> but do you, do you want to hear like a fast rap car track? Right. I want to. I want to see him figure it out. Yeah. So if we want to go back to Purple Moonlight that. Pages, Rap Ferreira does different little motifs, and you're like, oh, okay. There's you on that. There's you on this. Um, I don't know if that is for Cobb, but I would at least want to see him. Maybe the Sonic palette. Maybe a producer. You know, is that a Muggs? Is that a Mad Lib? Somebody just to give me a, I, I just want more Razzle Dazzle and I never you, get you, it. You want it to be something that it's not. <laughs> he wants Pharrell to produce Ka, apparently. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because it would be two note, not one. <laughs> that's hilarious. Hey, look, I'm totally open to that criticism. I actually deeply yeah. understand it. There are people totally. who I will not allow as a listener or as like whatever we are. I don't think we're critics quite, but as professional appreciators uh, i'm not having it with most people making the same record over and over totally, again. totally i can't explain totally. why but he gets a pass because it's so good because right. he's, like ca he's ca and what he did if we compare him to again i'm gonna keep bagging on jay electronica he he <laughs> took he took his mystique and his whole mystery got deep into it and makes records for people that want to hear his music my my friend uh and you know dope ass rapper Meg Abusive told me this one day. He's like, dude, just make music for only people who would like it. And that's exactly what Cod does. Like, he never, yeah. he never goes, maybe I should expand. He's like, oh, no. no, totally. He's nope. locked in. This is, locked this is in. my audience. I know right, what they want. Right. And to the same degree, I think Rock Marcy does the same thing. Um, yes. I think he, he understands. There's more variation, but I hear you. I it's hear a little you. different palette. And like, it, it's by talking about street shit and not let's say the bible or greek mythology or right, japanese right. history um you you, if, you if, open yourself up to a kind of a wider commercial range sensibility if, if i'm ka i'm like 
fuck you, Damone. I made a record about the Bible, Greek mythology. Um, so, <laughs> like uh, I've done all this. Those different are shit. different records. Right, yeah. right. Um, I feel you, Kyle. Fuck me too. <laughs> so well, um, I'll just say this. So if if it's if I didn't say it on the previous episode, it's recorded because this is what I think about cause music and why I like it so much. No wasted sounds. No right. wasted syllables. It's not everything one. is polished yeah, one. down right. to the highest right. degree. Like it's like, it's right. like a beautiful gem and like, we're lucky we get to look at them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like the uncut gems thing. Like, can yeah. I just hold the rock? Yeah, like, can yeah. I just be right. in cause presence for half an hour and like forget about my day and just like marvel at the economy as a right. writer right. to like distill his thing so deeply, perfectly. Like I, I fucking love that. I'm it's, so it's, glad it it's, it's Tim Duncan. It's Tim Duncan, turn around, <laughs> bank shot. You're like, that's not, he's like, nah, man. That's what the fuck I do. Yeah. And, and dominate. See, see yeah. you at the Hall of Fame. Right, oh, right, right. Oh, man. All right. Well, so you got one, Dave? No, well, I was going to say that. I know that's not uh, Damone's cup of tea, but what about the price of tea in China? Oh, no. <laughs> so much better. Dude, uh, honestly. So good. It. Was oh, my good. album of the year? Say for it, like say it though, Nate. Months. Say what you're gonna say. I, I don't know if it still is. Say what you're gonna say. Why? It, because you heard what? Because I heard the purple moonlight pages and shrines and stuff. That's a little bit more my sensibility. But every time a song from this comes up, I'm like, this is so, so good. good. Yeah. And like, yeah. apparently, people who've been listening to Boldy for a long time and like he's from Detroit and has a whole history before mm-hmm, he got involved mm-hmm. in this kind of artsy stuff that he's doing now um we're like he never changed like so there's like the 10 shit. albums we can go back and listen to right, right. and then uh, but I did I didn't check for him I didn't really even know who he was this is basically my introduction to him and it's such a good record it's such a well-produced record it has so many different textures it has a amazing Vince Staples verse right like it's just such a good record and every time you know again if like I'm listening to a playlist or a mix or something and one of these things comes on I'm like I forgot how good this is right right. in like three weeks it's so it's just so well crafted it's 100% great record yeah and to your point like I actually threw that on semi recently and was just constantly reminded and throughout the whole album there's just like benchmarks of reminders of what of like, oh, this Alchemist beat is awesome. Those like four bars are amazing. He just yeah. painted an entire street corner. You know, like, yeah, incredible. Um, I think that's, we're gonna be talking about that record in six months too. Yeah. It just, it's the records that come out at the top of the year are kind of like, unfortunately. Is that where you wanted me to go with that? Well, well, <laughs> no, where, where, I was going, where I was going with that though, and again, I think the records that come out at the top of the year are at a disadvantage. Um, yeah. But I feel like um, my, I only slightly changed my opinion of the Boldy James record after hearing uh, Alfredo, which I'm sure we'll talk Mm. about in a minute. Um, I feel like, uh, I feel like Boldy James is super, super, super uh, craftsman. It's almost like, it's it's almost Ka-esque in the way that he, he has a particular flow and a tone of voice and he never yeah. breaks character. Like he casual talking. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's got that kind of, which is actually interesting for a Detroit guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Detroit rappers are renowned for being kind of like wild and over the top. And he's got this cool, like super understated um, 
kind of flow and he says some really cool things. There's some songs out there that are still in my constant rotation. Mm-hmm. I, I just feel like um, I look at the Alchemist records of Alfredo, um, Price T of China, and what was Conway's joint? Lulu. 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 Um, I can't, I don't know why, I just get locked into comparing them to each other mm. and going, and when I start to do the comparison game, I go, yes, Price of China was dope. I, and maybe this is a segue into it, another record we'll talk about, but I, I just think that Gibbs took it a little, a little further. Like he, sure. and maybe, maybe he benefited from hearing it, like, and going, okay. Mm, I'm, I'm comfortable saying at this point in their careers, Gibbs is the better rack rapper and therefore alfredo is the better record i'm cool cool with saying that like like uh, we have history with gibbs right like i was just saying i hadn't really checked for boldy before this but it's incredible and now i will Mm -hmm. with gibbs it's like that i i remember i can't remember i think it was on decon he had a he had a project on decon in like 2010 i think that was the first time i i heard him it was like an ep Mm -hmm. and that was before his like or after his Gangsta Gibbs stuff, which I've since gone back and listened to. So like he's, his craftsmanship has elevated, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And him connecting with like kind of art rap auteur guys has really, really been fruitful for everyone involved. Like the, the contrast of the sonic Mm -hmm. palette and the kind of sensibility of the rhymes has basically made some of the best rap music of modern times. Totally. So Alfredo is incredible. Incredible. I mean, this is, um, you know, uh, to your point, Damone, I mean, Alchemist is everywhere, dude. He has his hands on the best shit. And this is like the third year in a row we're saying this, you know, I know, I know. Um, speaking of runs, you know, yeah. producers, producers aren't like on the face of things, but dude is um, an anchor for, oh, for sure. so much of what, we're, what, we, what we enjoy. For sure. But I think, I think, and I'm sorry, I don't want to step on the price of tea in China, but it seems like we're, we're pivoting to, to talking a little bit about Alfredo. Um, yeah. I think Gibbs, um, as dope as Alchemist is, I think Gibbs is the guy of the three records that came out who met that challenge the best. Um, I feel like he brought his style and personality even more so, we talked about this on a previous episode, even more so than on the, uh, the Mad Lip collaboration projects. Mm-hmm. I, feel, I feel like where Alchemist and Gibbs meet is such a, a, a dope, place Mm -hmm. and that um it's it could be easy and i've heard this with some alchemist joints where the the rapper isn't isn't as dope as the beat and i feel like with gibbs he comes in and he's trying to show you he's as dope as the beat like sometimes there's a way there's like how how they have system quarterbacks in the nfl there's a way to do that rapping where the Mm -hmm. beat is just so dope and you're like i'm gonna do the bare i'm gonna go in and yeah. fucking Gibbs is like, I'm gonna rip the shit out of this beat, which is already dope. And so um I for me, Alfredo, right now, even though it's very recent, there's a recency bias, obviously. Um still in the front of the rotation. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and if I'm looking at numbers of listens, like, you know, it's it it's probably far surpasses of, of many things. Um that only leaves us with the record we've already pretty heavily discussed today, which is Shrines. Right. Which We're is kneeling again, at the altar. Yeah, kind of a <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> I'm gonna leave an orange. Uh, <laughs> um, like it's like 
it, it, it it's probably a masterpiece. Like that's like what I'm willing to say right now. Like right. I, and and like to 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 go back to something that I think um, I saw in one of the other interviews that came out recently. I think Woods thinks at least, and I'm not sure about Elusive that it's their best record. Oh, that's what he was. That's why he was poking yeah. us. I know. Yeah, I know. yeah and yeah, I'm not there yeah. yet. I'm not there yet. I I still yeah. think Paraffin is their best record, and I said it earlier, so I'm not going to say it again. But it was the first thing I heard, and it kind of it blew my mind. So mm-hmm. like I, you can't like un. This Unblow is, your mind. Yeah, yeah I was yeah, gonna yeah. say it, but it sounds weird. Um, <laughs> so that's that's kind of the the story of that, and that's kind of the story of this year so far. It's again, I I'll, I'm comfortable saying this: we're in a golden age of rap. One hundred percent. This 100%. is a great great time. There's ten things I didn't even list that right. are excellent and deserve multiple listens and should be purchased on Bandcamp on the day when everybody gets all the money and like there's like fringe artists that are doing really interesting weird things there's mainstream artists that are like finding new pockets there's the kind of overground right. art rap world that we're kind of swimming in the water of where everybody's productive and incredible and seems to be at least in some semblance of communion with each other and totally to totally the records and the guest appearances and that's so fucking cool i mean we've been wanting earl to work with woods for how long and it's like we see them communicate on twitter and then there are, there's a song together it's like we're we're seeing this happen and we're we're cresting in you know in terms of modernity and this is like you said Nate the best fucking another golden age like literally i mean if you asked if if we had this conversation in like 2008 i could probably come up with like four albums right you Maybe. know yeah you know what i mean yeah. like yeah, there I are dud years but this is just a complete embarrassment or riches and i think um getting to talk to the practitioners of the art makes me like the music more like i know oh, for that sure it does. for like, sure it, it's it's, it's like it's fucking hella fun to have a rap podcast and like get to talk to these people like and some of the people who we've talked to and maybe you guys can tell from like kind of like tone of voice in the interview it's like i'm i'm like okay okay if you're yeah. if you're saying that i'm gonna think about it like this and it makes me sure. like their music more and that's sure. happened that's happened multiple times over the what are we on episode 123 here so there's literally been hundreds of times that we've talked to people and had interesting conversations with them and at least i learned more about their motivations right easier to kind of apply subtext to the text when i'm listening to it so Mm. it's it's a a good way of putting it position and i hope that it's like that for the people who listen as well um but yeah i don't demone thoughts on kind of the era or the half year or and like also like fucking pandemic fucking riots yeah like, yeah, right. yeah. It's, a, it's a crazy time that's why Donald I trump like it's just like, right this, this time is insane so it's like, a right. crazy time to be making music but i think um uh i think times like this even though that's why i asked the shrines question early is like when was this recorded right um, just right. just to kind of get a <laughs> sense of how it tethers to what's going on and it happened before but um i feel like now is a is a golden age for many reasons um one just being access like people have access to each other in 2008 you wouldn't know what to do with a freddie gibbs like he started off by schlepping around with like rick ross's crew and they can <laughs> never find how to properly slot him and so hip-hop as it does it invents nothing it reinvents everything everybody's being reinvented um the fact that the the drug dealer rap has been reinvented right like if right, it was still right. up to like jay-z and jeezy and those guys the right, shit would be right. dead 
Um, Or, you know, the kids took a more emo direction. Like for them, it's not even about dealing drugs anymore. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. hip hop has reinvigorated um, street rap in a particular way. That's a big part of this. Mm -hmm. And then there's a lot of artists of this generation who typically when we're talking to somebody on the phone, I'm older than them. Um, Right. I and, never even thought about that. That's right, so yeah, interesting. For right. the vast majority of folks, right. not not Akinelli, but you know <laughs> what I mean. Um, I think we're the same age. Uh, <laughs> so so all these cats, like a rap Ferreira, understands history, and you have these rappers that are clearly steeped in like what came before them before right. they were old enough to even listen to it. Yeah, and they're I mean? the biggest and in many ways the best fans. Yeah. Right. They, they, right. they know right. this shit out and out. They know what drum you used, what right. you used to produce it, what year the record's from, what flow that is. It's what, on the shoulders of giants. To. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. like they stand, they take what's been, what's happened thus far and then taking it another step, which is why I love Purple Moonlight Pages so much. It borrows from everything that I am steeped in and then takes it another step. So right. between those two movements, there's just so much happening. And with that even said, um, there's so many other things like, you know, I know Vic Spencer just put out, um, just put out another record. It's not quite um, out yet. We have it though. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Burke people. You don't have it. Um, uh, there's just so many voices who we've yet to hear from that it'll be interesting because I think, what is it? Uh, Rock is supposed to have another one. They've been hinting pretty serious it's like called rock mountain or something rock mountain is is is, uh is supposed to be coming out and when you have these times i think people bounce off of each other people are trying to outdo each other people are trying to work with each other yeah um so i i think it only actually gets better from here i I don't know if you guys listen to it or not but i'm obsessed with the beans album that's going to be coming out like for the art rap contingent Okay. Um, this right. this is a deeply weird record that is so good, and I'm gonna find out. I'm gonna figure out a way to incorporate it into okay. what we're doing. Um, I yeah, that's some weird shit though, dude. It's like <laughs> it's so. I had to like he sent it to me very kindly, and I listened to it, and I was like, this is insane. Like this is like okay. exciting to me because I I've been communicating with a couple of the people in our kind of dm world who i get to get a chance to talk to and bounce ideas off of like i think part of my response to the shittiness of the world is to tuck into some absurdity Mm, and use like the blanket of the absurdity to like cover me and like let me like swim in that water like take an edible listen to some weird shit like ride my bike like take a long ass walk get lost and like i'm finding some solace in the weirdness and the refracted nature of abstract hip-hop which i listened to a ton of in college and like earlier in my life and like kind of because i don't really play stuff like that around the house or like when other people are around it's Mm -hmm. like it's headphone music and i'm in this like real headphony space i basically have these things in my ears all the time now so that's a really cool thing that's coming up that i think the people who like stuff like that are gonna find a lot to enjoy 100 percent, kind of like what damone was saying with like the active peer listenership i mean hip-hop is all about one upsmanship right so i mean that's to our advantage that, that's you know, these cats that we like are fully um, interacting. You know, it's like- Trying to outwrap each other and we're, we're reaping all the benefits. Yes, dude, please. <laughs> I mean, fucking Tyler, who doesn't even rap anymore, has two amazing verses. It's just like, because you know he's listening. You know, he's not going to Absolutely. It. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's just very tangible in that way. Um, super here for it. 
yeah, it's a great time to have a have a rap podcast. We appreciate y'all listening, tuning in. Every week we drop new episodes on Thursday. You can check us out uh, at Kiki is is rebooted. Kiki got yes, all the new but shit. But we're not caught up with the new shit yet. It's still okay. have to listen to our stuff. listen to our old shit on kiki.co.uk. Um, and we're also on all of the other streaming platforms, of course, Spotify, Apple Music. Google Play, SoundCloud, um, everywhere but YouTube. But Joe Rogan, watch out, because when we hit YouTube, <laughs> it's a wrap. Um, I got way more hair than you. Uh, so, <laughs> so we appreciate y'all listening. Interact with us on the socials, at DadBodRatPod on Twitter, at DadBodRatPod on Instagram. Uh, watch out. The Broskis might be coming to IG Live. We might be breaking... Uh, Oh yeah, ages stereotypes and showing up on IG Live. Um, I will be little, wearing got a little collab coming. Yes, collab coming. Um, also, some upcoming amazing guests as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned to the Bros. We appreciate you guys' patronage, um, and yeah, uh, stay safe, stay healthy. Um, but if you have to burn shit down, do so. Dad bod rap pod. Venture X card from Capital One gives you premium travel benefits. Perfect for seeing Taylor Swift The Eras Tour. Presented by Capital One. Ooh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and ten times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points.
FantasyPoints.com. Code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 